Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 217 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Sometimes we just get lucky with swarm collections, low-hanging fruit as it were. Listen in to hear about our latest catch and also my first attempts at collecting pollen using traps fitted to our Technoset hives. Beekeeping Short and Sweet a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www simonthebeekeeper.co.uk Hi everyone, I hope you're all well. I have some interesting stuff for you this week. Well, I think it's interesting, but I'll leave you to judge for yourselves at the end of the podcast if you agree. We've been swarm catching and inspecting colonies, and to be honest, it's a bit of a blur this past week. I think I may have mentioned before the fact that the podcast almost keeps me sane, as it were. I have to sit down for several hours and recap on my week gone by and assess how things are progressing. It's really important that I do this. I have been struggling somewhat to keep up. I haven't done as I promised on YouTube, which was to post a public video each week. I just haven't been able to find the time. But I am glad to say that the Patreon videos continue at a pace, and I hope you're all enjoying seeing how our season is unfolding. Certainly, Judging by the messages and comments I've had, the updates, tips and techniques have been really useful for some of you, so I'm pleased for that. Much, much more to come. Before all of that, and to demonstrate that I'm done with the kids, I watched some of the Glastonbury Festival last night. I was home after a long week and just needed to unwind a little before bed, so had the TV on was watching Gardener's World, which was followed by coverage of the Glastonbury Music Festival. So I decided to stay up late because, from what I gathered, they had something called a headline performance from Billy Idol, a blast from the past, so I thought I'd see what it was like. I really need to get my hearing sorted out because after staying up late waiting and... Much to my surprise, some young lass called Billie Eilish came bouncing onto the stage. She was like Tigger from Winnie the Pooh, constantly bouncing around the stage. I lasted about ten minutes before crawling off to bed, to be honest. The crowd obviously loved her, though, and she seemed to be getting a thrill out of performing, so well done to her. Herbie Hancock is much more my thing. Anyway, back to the bees, and in particular, swarms. We're pretty much over the swarm season now. Colonies are switching from reproduction at colony level to survival mode, looking to store as much food as possible for the long winter months to come, and with it, our summer crop of honey, hopefully. Our swarming period has been really interesting. We, as you are no doubt aware, have been clipping queens over the past year or two, and this has seen a change in the way we not only manage swarming, but also in our inspection routine. Changes that have been successful on the one hand and challenging on the other. Here's why. 
we've not had a massive amount of swarming, due in part, I'm sure, to the new queens that we currently have heading up our colonies. Younger queens generally mean less of a desire to swarm when compared to older queens. It's not always the case, and genetics do play a part here, but it's a reasonable assumption to take. So, we started the season with both queens of our own, those we bought in last year, along with the new colonies we purchased, those 50 colonies at the start of the season. Of these, we've seen a high percentage of our own queens attempt to swarm, and of these, several have managed to get away from us. I think this is a result of the increased workload and my poor timing in inspecting those colonies. I should probably, with hindsight, have inspected those colonies on a weekly basis, not a 10-day routine. Of the younger queens heading up new colonies, including the split colonies, we've seen a remarkably low number of swarm cells. Just on Friday last week, I inspected around 40 colonies, and of those, just a couple had swarm cells, and those only had a couple of queen cells in them, not the normal dozens and dozens of queen cells where colonies are super keen to get swarming. One of the colonies that I inspected had swarm cells the week before, which I knocked down. This week, no swarm cells and everything seems to be back to normal, as if they've given up trying to swarm and now want to focus on honey production. Maybe it's because we've just passed June the 21st, midsummer downhill only now folks so swarming generally has been manageable clipped queens have sometimes crawled back under the floor of the hive but here we've been able to shake them into a new hive and set them up as an increase to our own numbers we've had some very poor mating results in some apiaries particularly one and i can only put this down to the location Queens have gone missing or not mated well and become drone layers almost immediately, and that has hit us in terms of the overall number of colonies we've been able to increase to. That said, I don't think we could have managed increasing any further with just myself and Steph working the bees. It's a learning curve, quite a steep learning curve, and something we've been able to keep a lid on so far this season but to have gone any further might have caused real challenges for us that we just couldn't have overcome. Overall, I would say I'm really happy how things are turning out. We got lucky with a swarm last week at the Borage Meadow. I posted a video of it on Patreon. It was hanging on a low branch of an oak tree within easy reach of my loppers. The only issue was we didn't really have a box to put them into. Typical of a beekeeper, I wasn't going to just let this swarm get away from me, so I cobbled together a makeshift hive consisting of a national-sized clearer board as the floor, a Honeypaw Langstroth brood box with frames for the main body, and a queen excluder wrapped in black pallet wrap as the roof. It was a simple enough job to shake the bees into the box, and having replaced the frames of foundation into the box and covered them with the queen excluder roof they quickly settled in and seemed to be very happy to accept it as their new home the only problem we have is that i didn't really have anything to put over the top of them and the black plastic wrap might well be too much of a heat absorbing roof for them anyway we'll have to see how they survived when we inspect them on monday it was just too far to travel back just to replace the roof 
I'd like to think that they've been able to regulate the temperature inside and with a little drawn comb the queen will have started to lay some eggs and they'll have survived and grown. I'll update you all on another video once we get back down there and check on them. The other topic for this week's podcast is pollen trapping and pollen traps. Again, a completely new part of our business for this season. I have attempted collecting pollen before, in very small amounts, and last year we used the pollen traps that can fit into the integrated setup of the honeypore hives, and these worked reasonably well for us. I have got to find a way to lubricate the trays that fit into the honeypore floors, because they just don't slide in and out easily, and all this does is spill the collected pollen and angers the bees. The Technoset hives all came with integrated pollen traps. I've mentioned these before, I think. They sit between the floor and the brood body with a grid-type setup inside that the workers have to navigate, and in turn, this knocks off the pollen into the collection trays below. So why do bees collect pollen in the first place? Now, you all know by now, I really enjoy checking out pollen under the microscope, and that there are so many different types, shapes, and sizes of pollen so many different plants producing completely different pollen, and our honeybees need a mix of them. Here's why. Pollen provides essential proteins, vitamins and minerals that our honeybees and their larvae need to grow, develop and survive. It's really that important. Without pollen, our honeybees just couldn't survive. A little sciencey bit for you, bear with me. Proteins are made up of a collection of things called amino acids, These are chemical compounds that combine mainly nitrogen, carbon, hydrogen and oxygen and in specific combinations make up these different amino acids that our bees need just to grow and develop. There are lots of different amino acids, but our bees need just 10 of them. Amino acids combine to make proteins, so pollen is the protein that bees need to survive. Nectar is their carbohydrate in the diet. Honestly, it's not so different to what we need, really. Without getting too complicated, the bees break down the pollen proteins into their constituent amino acids and then rebuild them as necessary. Okay, that's the science over. You can relax now. So why collect pollen? Well, there are several reasons. Firstly, there's a demand from health food shops for natural pollen. So it's a saleable product we can harvest in small quantities from our bees. Additionally, we can use it to build up colonies when there's no pollen available, and we can feed it to queen-rearing colonies to help with building up well-developed queen cells. During the active season, colonies can collect massive amounts of pollen. In fact, this year we found quite a number of colonies that have become very congested with pollen, frame upon frame, stuffed full, with barely any space for the queen to lay eggs into. It's really important to make sure that each colony is assessed prior to adding a pollen trap too. They need to be strong, active colonies, lots of foraging bees, and plenty of pollen visible at the entrance as the bees return from their foraging flights. There's absolutely no point in trying to collect pollen from a recently hived nuke that has very few flying bees out and about. All you'll do is rob them of vital food stores that they can't afford to lose, So if you're going to collect pollen, be smart about what colonies you're using and don't deplete them too much. 
We aim to take around 24 to 48 hours worth of pollen from our selected colonies before opening up the entrances to allow bees to sneak past the pollen traps and deliver the pollen back home. The honeypore traps can easily have their main entrance blocks removed, which enables the bees to climb in over the trap grid. The Technoset traps have a clever little side entrance that allows the same diversion past the grid. This means that after taking some pollen from the colonies, I can make sure they're able to continue to provide enough pollen for their own use and not check or prevent the ongoing success and development of each colony. Although we have more than 100 pollen traps, I don't think that this year we'll use all of them, possibly only using half. Whilst I do want to harvest some pollen, I don't want to damage colony health or strength and will continue to keep the colonies at the front of my thinking. Once we have the pollen collected, it will be bagged and frozen, where it will stay until I have time to figure out the best process for cleaning and selling it. I know the most common method of storing and selling is drying, and that might well be the route that we go, but I need to investigate the process a whole lot more before I start that job. Talking about jobs, the coming week sees us moving yet more bees. This time it's our national beehives heading down to the wildflower meadow near the pumpkin fields. It's also Norfolk Show Time, our local agricultural annual show. So I'll be taking some time to head over there to chat to a few people about various things. My trailer is top of the list. I'm having the floorboards replaced, but also want to see if I can get the ramp removed and replace it with a tailboard. I think that will reduce the amount of weight I'm carrying unnecessarily and allow me to use it a little further afield. I'm also going to pop in on the Norfolk Beekeepers Association tent and say hello to a few old friends and no doubt I'll get distracted by the tractor displays. Do I go for a small tractor unit with a forklift for shifting the bees around maybe? Or do I get an easy loader hive lifter to go on the back of the truck? Decisions, decisions. Luckily, Steph won't be around to keep me sensible. Well, that's it for this week. For my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques, do check out my Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember... I'm Stuart Spinks, and that's beekeeping short and sweet. <laughs>